mamina, baba yetu yetu liye fundina la koweli tukutwe. Baba yetu yetu liye tingu liye tuyetu mamina, baba yetu yetu liye tingu liye tuyetu Peleo chocolateto, tu me chorita chiu tu same, na cosa e tu he, tu manda se tu na rua se me, waleo tu casea, eu sou tu, catica majari bulakini, o toco e ayule,
Oh, right. So I picked my pastor or rabbi in this case for this season. I still will do my readings. Welcome to Revolution Wand Dog. Uh, this is Nikki Aristar. Uh, my ministry is a syndicate of, or should I say my online is a syndicate of the Diamond Line Pearl Ministries. I welcome you. I'm a local rabbi, high priest and minister. I'm under training for the high priest right now. 
I'll use that title lightly. I start in February. So right now I'm getting things set up. So tonight I'm going to do one more posting of Rabbi Schneider. Um, I'm going to give you some idea where I'm coming from. Uh, I teach the, the Hebraic perspective of things like Zola Levis and some others. Um, I'm using this rabbi, which is another grandma, to teach tonight um, a particular perspective. I want you to listen. It's very vital, very important. And I'm going to say Shabbat Shalom to you. Pray for the peace of Israel. Pray for the peace of Jerusalem. Pray for America. And pray for your own city and the people in it. I can't say pray for the government because I don't know what government you have. I know I'm not praying for the current sitting president. I disagree with him. I have a right to voice my opinion. I'm an American citizen. I vote. I'm a federalist. So I look at both sides of the aisle. If I don't like either side, I don't vote. So I have a right to say I love you guys. Keep me in your prayers. And I'm going to say shalom. The greatest breakthroughs of all happen when we become empowered through knowing we're already complete in Him, He's already in us, and that we're already walking in fellowship with Him. I have a special anointing on my life for breakthrough. I don't say that lightly. There is something that the Lord has placed upon me which has propelled me to enter into places that others have not yet entered into. And I believe that the anointing that's on me can be imparted in some way into your life. Now, when we speak of spiritual breakthrough, we can look at it from two different perspectives. We can look at it, number one, circumstantially. Sometimes we're looking for breakthrough in our lives, in our circumstances. And this is important, obviously. Maybe you're wanting to get a breakthrough in your career or in your job. You're wanting a promotion. Maybe you're wanting a breakthrough with your finances. Maybe you're wanting a breakthrough in your relationship with your mom or dad or in-laws. So many different types of breakthroughs that we're contending for or desiring to have happen in our life. Maybe you've been trying to buy a home and haven't been able to, to purchase one. You're looking for a breakthrough. Whatever it might be, breakthrough in our circumstances is legitimate and important, and we should obviously be looking to the Lord and contending for Him to be at work in our life so that we can be propelled forward in His Spirit to get breakthrough in our circumstances. Some of you maybe looking for breakthrough in your ministry. Maybe you feel that the Lord has given you a spiritual gift or some type of ministry that he's called you into and you're looking for him to open doors or to connect you with the right people, with the right relationships, so that the gift and the anointing that's on your life can enter into a deeper way in, into the earth. You're looking for a breakthrough perhaps in your ministry. There's another type of breakthrough that at the end of the day, beloved, is more important than even these first two. And that is spiritual breakthrough. What I mean by that is that at the end of the day, our circumstances are always changing. Nothing we know is constant in our circumstances. For example, let's say that you were looking for a breakthrough in your career. Let's say that you were, let's say that you're going to law school right now and you flunked the uh, LSATs, which are the tests that uh, attorneys are prospective attorneys take in order to get their license to practice law, and you failed the LSAT the first time, and you're looking for breakthrough to be able to pass the second time. 
All these things are important, but think about this using that example that I want to make applicable for all of us today. Let's say you're that attorney. You want to get your license to practice law. You took the bar exam to become an attorney the first time. You flunked. Now you're going back the second time. You're praying for breakthrough that you'll pass it. Baruch Hashem, let's say you pass it. Praise God. But what will happen when you're 65 or 70 years old? And no longer are you able to practice potentially law anymore. Maybe your health won't permit it. Maybe you're just too tired uh, to do it anymore. Maybe you've lost the appetite for it. Then what? Where are you then? The point is that our circumstances are always changing. And if we're only looking for breakthrough in circumstances, at the end of the day, we're going to come up empty because at the end of the day, Every circumstance fades away. You know, the Lord recently showed me that I should view my circumstances, those things that are going on outside me, the same way that I would observe furniture in a room that I was sitting in. Now imagine for a second with me, you're sitting in a room. You've got a room at home and you're sitting in that room. You're sitting on a couch or on a chair. And you look around the room and there's different pieces of furniture in that room you're sitting in. Maybe there's a couch, maybe there's a chair, maybe there's a table, whatever it is. Let me ask you, as you're observing those pieces of furniture, as you're sitting in that room, what do those pieces of furniture mean to you? I mean, very little. I mean, you may like the furniture. They may have good practical purposes. But at the end of the day, those pieces of furniture are not what can fill your soul. Those pieces of furniture that you're observing, they're outside of you. You can look at them. You can appreciate them. You may like the aesthetic appearance of them. They may serve a functional purpose. But at the end of those day, the day, those pieces of furniture, beloved one, mean very little in terms of how much your soul is satisfied in its center, in its core. They don't mean anything. I remember years ago, when I was going through a very difficult time in my life. I graduated high school, so I'm going back many, many years now. And as some of you know that I was a very, very committed athlete in school. I wrestled all through school, got a small scholarship to wrestle in college. But wrestling to me was everything. It was my identity. It was all I thought about. I didn't see beyond it. And when I graduated high school and I walked off that wrestling mat for the last time, realizing that as I looked into the future, now entering into adulthood, leaving my parents home, having to get ready for some type of career, which I had no idea what that would be. I didn't know Yeshua yet. That wrestling no longer meant anything to me. It was so important to me for so many years. And now all of a sudden, when I was graduating high school, I realized it didn't mean a hill of beans. And I remember when that happened to me, I was so lost. I was so depressed. I was so hopeless. I lacked purpose. I lacked destiny. I was confused. And I remember in that state, sitting in my family room, I'm living in my parents' house at the time, sitting in my family room one day, looking out the back window of that family room. We lived in a pretty nice home. So I remember sitting in that family room, sitting on a couch there in this depressed, confused state. Wrestling was over. My purpose was gone. The circumstances changed. My identity disappeared with it. And I was looking out the back windows of this family room. And when I say the back windows, 
it was all one window. In other words, the entire back uh, wall of that family room was one big window. It had a sliding glass door, and you could look totally outside into the backyard. And it was a beautiful room, and I, I looked outside into the beautiful nature, but you know what? No matter how beautiful it was, as I looked out that family room window and even looked at all the beautiful furniture in that big family room, you know what? At the end of the day, as I was sitting there, none of those things could do anything for me. Looking outside didn't help me. Looking at the beautiful family room and the furniture in it, it didn't help me because my soul was lost and confused I lacked purpose and direction, and everything outside of me, the family room and that which was outside of it, none of it could change what was in my soul. What I'm stressing, beloved one, is that our circumstances are like furniture in a room. They can't really do anything for us. We may get temporary enjoyment out of circumstances, and Baruch Hashem, praise God for great circumstances. I'm not putting it down. What I'm simply trying to do is to help you and I understand that when we're talking about spiritual breakthrough, the thing that we should be thinking most about is how can we get breakthrough in the spirit? How can we get breakthrough into the light? How can we gain momentum in terms of being engaged in our soul with the power of the Ruach HaKadosh? How can we enter into empowerment? How can we come out of not seeing clearly to be able to see clearly in the Spirit? How can we get breakthrough? How can we get breakthrough so that we're able to break off our lives all self-accusation? How can we get breakthroughs that we can break off us all wrong self-images? How can we get breakthrough so that we can better see who God is, so that we can better understand His love, so that we can better know Him and His nature through the person of Yeshua? I want to encourage you today to contend with me for spiritual breakthrough. Too many of us are putting all the emphasis on the outside, we think if we shout something loud enough, it gives us more power. We think if we can change this circumstance in our life, we'll be happy. Again, outer circumstances are important, but we don't have many of us a sense that the real reality is internal. That's why Yeshua said, the Spirit of the Lord, he said, is outside you, but he will be in you. The mystery of the gospel, Paul told us, is Christ, the anointed one in us, the hope of glory. So as we talk about spiritual breakthrough today, I want to encourage you to begin to withdraw your energy so that you're not so focused on what is outside of you, so that you're not projecting your thoughts, thinking that the answer to your happiness is outside of you, but so that you begin to bring yourself back into your soul where the Spirit of the Lord is if you've received Jesus, and begin to learn how to function from the inside out. You see, people that are not in touch with this, if they're wanting to have breakthrough in the spiritual realm, they, 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 they shout, and they think if they yell loud enough, it will create breakthrough. Or they keep on, Jesus said, don't be like the, 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 these people that don't know God that keep on repeating the same things over and over and over and over again, thinking that God is going to uh, uh, move because of their repetition. Now, what Jesus was teaching was 
that power is not in the external. It's not in how loud you shout. It's not in how many times you repeat a prayer. Many of that is just fear-based anyway. Rather, true spiritual power resides on the inside. And it begins, beloved ones, listen to me, with knowing that you've already got it. Let me say it again. Spiritual breakthrough begins by knowing that he's already in you and you've already got it. So you begin to move out of what you've already have rather than moving out of a deficit, trying to make something happen that you don't have. The Bible says, in him we are complete. You see, when we begin our Christian walk, when we begin our walk in the Spirit, it's important to have spiritual disciplines that are outward-based. It's important, for example, to have a regimented uh, format uh, in which we're studying Scripture and uh, specific things that we're doing in spiritual disciplines that we've built into our life. Those things are important, and they need to happen at the elementary levels. It begins by practicing spiritual disciplines that are based on the outside, Bible study, prayers, uh, attend, all these different things that can help us in our faith. But the problem is, if we continue only to focus on outward things without recognizing that there's a deeper level that's internal. This is why right before Yeshua raised Lazarus from the dead, he prayed and he said, Father, I thank you that you hear me. I know you hear me always, but I'm saying it that the people around would know that you hear me. You see, Jesus had developed that inward sense of knowing that God heard his softest whisper. When he prayed, he didn't have to pray out loud. He knew that God heard him. The slightest impulse of his heart, it was if it was, it's as if it was already done. Jesus knew that God heard him. Sometimes we think God doesn't hear us unless we say it out loud, unless we pray it loud enough, that the devil won't respond unless we scream it. But beloved, when we know that we've got it, when we know that God hears our softest whisper, we can retreat to dwelling within. And when we're able to comprehend that he's already in us and that we've already got it, we'll truly have spiritual breakthrough and walk in power. This is why the Lord said in the Tanakh, the day will come that I will answer them before they ask. What did God mean when he said, I will answer them before they ask? Well, if he's answering, the need or the desire must already be within us. Otherwise, he wouldn't have to answer. What God was saying there is they're going to become aware that I answer them before they can even get it out of their mouths. That's how close he is. In other words, now we think sometimes, unless we say it out loud, enough times God won't hear us and he won't answer. But God wants us to realize that he hears us even if we don't say it out loud, even if we don't shout it, and he wants us to come to the place where we know he hears and answers the slightest impulse of our heart that's directed to him when we're walking with him. No good thing does he withhold to those who love him. 
And so, beloved, I want us, as we're speaking of spiritual breakthrough, what I'm trying to do is to help us understand that we're not just referring to those things that we're desiring to see God do that are on the outside. I'm wanting you to understand that the greatest breakthroughs of all happen when we become empowered through knowing that we're already complete in him, that he's already in us, and that we're already walking in fellowship with him. Well, those were just some introductory comments, even though we're already coming to the end of today's message. On the previous broadcast, I was in the book of 2 Samuel chapter 5, verse 17 through 25, and the corresponding scripture in 1 Chronicles chapter 14. And in this section of scripture, we study the life of David and how we got breakthrough against his enemies. So let me just read by way of review today, beginning once again in 2 Samuel chapter 5, beginning in verse number 17. When the Philistines heard that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to seek out David. And when David heard of it, he went down to the stronghold. I covered all this in my first two broadcasts. The point was the enemy attacked when David was anointed. And so you need to understand as you're pressing forward in the Lord, as God has begun to work in your life, as God is moving you into greater victory and power, the enemy is going to respond to you. He's going to try to blow you back even as the Philistines came against David as soon as David was anointed. It's a spiritual law. The enemy responds. Listen, people with supernatural anointings should expect to receive a supernatural attack. Now, this shouldn't scare you. It's just the dynamics of the kingdom. You see, God uses all things to work together for good. And it's through enduring the attack of the enemy, clinging to God as David did, warfaring in him through it, that we're confirmed in the Lord that his anointing gets solidified in us. That's why, as I've been mentioning, the first thing that Yeshua did after he was uh, baptized in the river by John was go into the wilderness where he did battle against the devil for 40 days. Why? Because God was perfecting him for his ministry. Jesus wasn't afraid of the attack. In fact, the Bible says it was the spirit of the Lord that led Yeshua into the wilderness to do battle against the devil. So God matures you and I as his sons and daughters by teaching us how to resist, how to defend ourselves, and how to exercise authority from within over the enemy. And so to tie all this back around now, the way we exercise authority over the enemy is not just by screaming, not just by shouting, not just by making certain declarations. All those can be valid. But the way we exercise authority over the enemy is by knowing we've already got it. We come to a place where we're so confident that the enemy's like this to us. He can't even harass us. We don't even pay attention. We don't take the bait anymore. He already is subjected to us. And so having authority over the enemy begins by knowing that we already have dominion over him because greater is he that's in you than he that is in the world. He that's born of God overcomes the world. Hear the word of God, verse 18. Now the Philistines came and spread themselves out in the valley of Raphaim. What I'm going to teach is that the enemy doesn't just respond one time and in one way to our anointing, 
but he seeks to come in from multiple angles. But I want you to know you are more than a conqueror and you will triumph through everything as you keep your eyes set on the Lord, on him who called you. And as you continue to put one foot in front of the other in his anointing, God is going to perfect you in his peace. And God's peace within you will crush Satan under your feet. Be strong. Be courageous. Press on. God loves you. And he's got a destiny for you that's greater than anything than you have ever imagined. There's no breakthrough into life without breakthrough in our relationship with the Lord. Listen what Father said to us in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse number 7. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord. And then the hearers asked, well, how are we going to return? And then the Lord said in the next verse, in tithes and offerings. You see, when we surrender our hearts to Father, we open up in a way that is power and light and life can be poured into us. But if we don't trust him and honor him, then we close ourselves off from receiving the power that leads to breakthrough. This is one of the reasons honoring the Lord with our tithes and offerings is so important. Beloved, let's not short circuit our relationship with Hashem by refusing to trust him and honor him with our tithes and offerings. It's important. Let's be obedient. We'll be blessed for it. How do we go into a stronghold? David was going into a physical stronghold. I'm talking about taking the physical and helping you understand that really this is about something spiritual. Beloved, I believe there's a supernatural unction, a supernatural mandate and anointing on my life for breakthrough. And I believe the unction for breakthrough that Father has placed upon my life can be imparted unto you. And I believe that through these teachings, there's an impartation that will flood your life and propel you into greater breakthrough. First of all, in the spiritual sense, also in the material world. We see an example of how to get breakthrough from the life of David. When David was anointed king, immediately the Philistines, when they heard of it, they attacked him. The truth is, is that when you are moving forward in Hashem, when you're moving forward in the anointing, when you're moving forward in your faith, in your walk with God, when you're moving forward in your ministry, you should understand that the enemy will respond to that and he will try to stop you by attacking you. And the Lord allows the enemy to respond because there's something about you and I engaging with the enemy and overcoming the enemy's attacks. There's something about us engaging and fighting that causes us to become mature sons and daughters. You see, somehow, Father has ordained that you and I come into full sonship. And when I say full sonship, I'm speaking both of daughters and sons, that there's something that is required for you and I to enter into the fullness of sonship. And what is required for you and I to mature as sons and daughters is that we fight the enemy and overcome. So the Lord ordained 
that we would have an adversary. Think about Jesus, what happened when he was anointed by the Holy Spirit at the Jordan River. Most of us know the story. Yeshua goes to the Jordan River. He's immersed by Yochanan, John the Baptist. And as soon as Yeshua comes out of the river, the Holy Spirit descends upon him in the form of a dove, and the voice comes from heaven that says, You are my beloved Son, and in you I am well pleased. The people that were there, John the Baptist heard the voice saying, He is my beloved Son. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. The point is, is that this is when Yeshua was anointed and called into ministry. Now, what's the very next thing that happens? The Spirit of the Lord leads Jesus into the wilderness where Yeshua has to combat the devil for 40 days and 40 nights. And it's not until after Yeshua faced the devil and overcame him in the wilderness that Yeshua's ministry began. In other words, the Lord ordained that before Yeshua's ministry began, he would first have to face the assault of the devil and overcome him. This is why the scripture says that Yeshua was led into the wilderness by the Spirit of God, and then after Jesus faced the devil for 40 days, the Bible says he came out of the wilderness, listen, in the power of the Spirit. He was empowered as he clung to Hashem, as he clung to Father God, and resisted the devil's attack in the wilderness. And so this fight that we're in is part of God's plan for our life. And I talked about that last week in great detail. You need to listen to that message. And I don't often say that. I also said last week that when David realized he was being attacked after he was anointed, he didn't give up his kingship. He didn't say, well, it's not worth it because if I'm king, because David had just been anointed king, David didn't say, well, it's not worth it. I'm, I don't want to be king because if I am, the Philistines will attack me and I don't want to have to deal with that. No, instead what David did, the scripture says, he went down into a stronghold. So let's read it. When the Philistines heard this, when they heard that David had been anointed king, reviewing, when the Philistines heard this, that they had anointed David king over Israel, all the Philistines went up to seek out David. Why were they seeking him? To kill him, to destroy him. When David heard of it, he went down to, listen now, the stronghold. And so I ended last week's broadcast by talking about the fact that when you and I are moving forward in the anointing, the enemy will respond. He'll try to stop us. And I shared a personal example with you last time in my own life. The enemy will respond. He'll attack to stop us. And you and I need to be careful to, number one, recognize that what is happening is an attack of the enemy, whether it's in our circumstances something goes wrong, or we come up against a wall, or whether it's in our dreams at night, or whether it's our mind starts having all kinds of wrong thoughts. We need to realize what's going on. We need to realize it's not just something that's going on randomly or in the natural world. We need to realize that we're under attack. So when David heard of it, when he realized he was being attacked, he went down to the stronghold. So I want to talk about what it means to go down into the stronghold. But before I do, I want to give you one more example of something that happened in my own life in relation to this. I was overseas in Africa a few years ago preaching the gospel. And as I sat in my little room there getting ready to minister that day, I noticed that every thought 
beloved one, that I was thinking was wrong. My thoughts were wrong about every single person, about every single circumstance. My, uh, my mind had been bent by the enemy, and I realized what was going on. The enemy was attacking me. He was trying to stop me because he knew I was about to release the gospel and thousands of people were about to get saved. This is what happened to David. I want to encourage you. Don't be ignorant of the schemes of the adversary. When you're moving forward in God, the enemy will come against you. You need to realize what's going on. You need to stand in your place. You need to hold your ground. And you need to go into, like David did, the stronghold. When David heard of it, he went down to the stronghold. Continuing on now, how do we go into a stronghold? David was going into a physical stronghold. I'm talking about taking the physical and helping you understand that really this is about something spiritual. And I left off last week by sharing with you, I've noticed in my own life that when I am up against a big burden, when I'm carrying something great, I will transition into my prayer language. And what's really interesting about this is that I started using my prayer language before I even knew there was such a thing. No one had ever taught me about it. I was not schooled in it and not read about it. But what I noticed was that as a very young pastor, when I became particularly burdened about something that was going on in the ministry, I would just begin to speak to God from the depths of my soul in a language that was not English. And this is called tongues. It's a personal prayer language. But before you get thrown off, let me share with you, I want to bring comfort and understanding, if at all possible, to everybody right now. First of all, a lot of the teaching about tongues has been, in my view, incorrect. Tongues is multidimensional. There are many different types of tongues. For example, when we see in the book of Acts, chapter number 2, that when the Holy Spirit first fell upon the church, those first 120 believers began to speak in tongues. We know the story. 120 believers were gathered together in Acts chapter 2 in what's called the upper room. They're in the upper room. The day of Shavuot or Pentecost had come, which was the day that God revealed his glory to the children of Israel at Mount Sinai 1,500 years earlier. So it's just interesting showing the connection between the Brit Kadashah, the New Testament, and the Hebrew Bible. The same day the glory appeared on top of Mount Sinai 1,500 years earlier with Moses and the children of Israel, to that same day, now the Spirit of the Lord appears in glory again as they're gathered in the upper room. So here they were in the upper room, recalling how Father God, how the God of Israel had manifested himself in fire on top of Mount Sinai 1,500 years earlier and wrote his law on the tablets of stone. As they're thinking about that in the upper room on Pentecost or Shavuot, suddenly a tongue of fire comes upon each one of those 120 believers and then he fills them with the Spirit and they begin to speak with tongues. But notice, the tongues that they spoke in were known, not unknown, but known languages. They began to speak in languages that they had never learned. Why? Because there were people that were gathered in Jerusalem that spoke many different languages. And the Lord wanted the gospel of Messiah Jesus to be proclaimed and heard by everyone that was there. In other words, he wanted the people that were there that didn't speak Hebrew and didn't speak Aramaic, he wanted them to be able to hear the gospel. 
So he gave those first 120 believers that had just been filled with the Spirit a supernatural gift to proclaim the gospel in a tongue that they had never learned, but the tongue that they spoke the gospel in was actually a real language. Now, what's interesting is that many times people are using Acts chapter 2 as a template for what should be everybody's experience. And so the teaching is, and I'm not trying to cross dissension here, but the teaching is, is that the, the evidence of being filled with the Holy Spirit is speaking in tongues, and they use Acts 2 as their reference. But what happened in Acts 2 is not what is actually happening in the contemporary church, because in the contemporary church, when someone says that they were baptized in the Holy Spirit and began to speak with the tongue, that tongue is not an Acts chapter 2 tongue, because the tongue they're speaking in isn't a known language most of the time, but rather it's a prayer language. And so there are several different types of tongues in the New Testament. There's a tongue that is a supernatural ability to speak in a language that you've never learned, number one. Number two, there's a tongue that is spoken about in the book of Corinthians that is an unknown language. It's a, it's a supernatural language that's to be used in a corporate gathering. And when that tongue is used in a corporate gathering, there needs to be an interpreter in the gathering to translate what was just spoken. That's the second use of tongues. But the type of tongues that I'm talking about is not either of those. It's not the tongues in Acts chapter 2, which is a known language. It's not a tongue that someone stands up in a corporate worship services and begins to speak in a tongue, and then somebody else stands up and interprets. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about something different. I'm going to the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. I'm reading in verse number 4. Paul says this, One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. So we're talking about something entirely different now. We're talking about a tongue that is for the benefit of the believer. You see, every other gift of the Holy Spirit is a gift for the body. But the gift of tongues as a personal prayer language is not for the body, but it's for the gift of the individual, for the believer. So listen to what Paul said. One who speaks in a tongue edifies himself. See, you edify yourself when you speak in a tongue. And then he goes on in verse number five, he says, Now I wish that you all spoke in tongues. Why does Paul want everybody to speak in tongues? Because it's a gift that can edify you. And so I believe that the ability to have a prayer language is not the initial evidence necessarily of being baptized in the Holy Spirit. I don't believe you have to speak in a prayer language or in an unknown tongue to be baptized in the Holy Spirit because I believe there are examples in Scripture where someone was baptized in the Holy Spirit and they began to proclaim the gospel in their known language. But I do believe that the gift of tongues as a prayer language is available to everybody. And a lot of times people, they feel like if you're able to do it at will, it must not be real. See, this is what happened to me. As a young believer, I noticed that when I got under an extreme burden, I would just transition into my soul, into like this low gear, if you will. I used the illustration last time. It's like in the old cars, if you were going up a steep hill, you could put the car in low one or low two. It would bring the transmission way down low to give you much power. That's what I noticed happened to me. 
If I was under a burden, I'd transition down deep into my soul and I'd begin to speak in a tongue. It would just automatically happen. I was carrying a burden. I need to connect with Father about this. I needed to connect with the Spirit about this burden. And subconsciously, without even choosing to do it, I just did it. I just went down into this low place in the Spirit and began to speak in a prayer language that no one ever taught me about. I didn't even know what it was. I began to ask myself, is this what it means to speak in tongues? I wasn't sure. I thought it was. I didn't know what was going on. And then when I realized that I could do it at will anytime I wanted to, I thought, is this really real? I mean, if it was God, wouldn't it have to be Him starting it within you and you'd only be able to do it when He was bubbling up from within you? But you can do it anytime you want to, I said to myself. How do you know if this is God or not? And so I began to lose confidence. I thought, maybe this isn't God. Maybe this isn't really tongues. And then as time went on, beloved, I came to the deep conviction. And now I feel like I know. No, this is my prayer language. I can use it anytime I want to. And I find that when I'm really burdened about something, I go into my stronghold oftentimes, which often is this place of using my prayer language. So I want to encourage you today, be open. Be open to this. It's, it's, it, you just, just begin to, if you just hear something in you, if you've never done this before, just begin to speak out what you hear and don't question it. Don't say this isn't really real. Just go with it. Just begin to, I, I don't want to say practice it because that sounds like you're performing. But what I'm wanting to do is get you in the habit of using it because the Holy Spirit makes groanings, the scripture says, within us that are too deep for words. And that's what this prayer language is. It's the burden of the Holy Spirit in you. It's the burden of your soul being released by the Holy Spirit in the Spirit so that you can connect with God in a very deep and real way. So number one, when we're under attack, we can go into the stronghold by using our prayer language. Secondly, beloved ones, we go into the stronghold by just getting still and quiet before God, alone with God, and just begin to open our heart to Him. Just be real with Him. Just begin to talk to Jesus, whether it's out loud or silently. But go into a place where you're alone with God and just begin to open your soul to Him. Just sit before Him. Just rest in Him. Just ask Him for help. And as you do, He's going to strengthen you and equip you for what you're going through. You see, David clung to God. When he realized he was under attack, he went into the stronghold and he clung to God. The Hebrew word for this is dvekut. It means clinging. We need to cling to God because when we're not clinging to him, we're vulnerable to the enemy's attacks. Some of you have heard me share the story. Years ago, I saw so many people that said they were Christians just falling and falling and falling and failing. And it really shook me up. Because the Bible says we should be victorious in Jesus. And it got to the place where I couldn't put it under a rug anymore. I said, Lord, unless you tell me why so many people that say they know you and believe in you seem to be failing and falling as a habitual pattern, I said, how can I believe in you myself? I said, Lord, if you're not helping them, how can I be sure you're going to help me? And I said, God, I can't go any further until you answer me. And I just remained in this place of being quiet before the Lord, just waiting for him. 
I had confidence that he would speak, but I was sad. And the next day, as I was in this state, the Holy Spirit clearly spoke to me. And he said to me, the reason you're seeing what you're seeing with so many falling and failing is he said, it's because my people are not trusting me. But when the Spirit said the word trust to me, the word trust was full of revelation and meaning with the word clinging. He said, my people are falling and failing because they're not clinging to me. So I want to encourage you, beloved. We're going to continue next week. When you're moving forward in the Lord, expect an attack. When you do get attacked, don't panic. Don't abandon the ship. Go down deep. Go into the stronghold. Get alone with God. Get still with God. Talk to Him and cling with Him. This is Rabbi Schneider saying, God bless you and shalom. There's no breakthrough into life without breakthrough in our relationship with the Lord. Listen what Father said to us in the book of Malachi, chapter 3, verse number 7. Return to me, and I will return to you, says the Lord. And then the hearers asked, well, how are we going to return? And then the Lord said in the next verse, in tithes and offerings. You see, when we surrender our hearts to Father, we open up in a way that is power and light and life can be poured into us. But if we don't trust him and honor him, then we close ourselves off from receiving the power that leads to breakthrough. This is one of the reasons honoring the Lord with our tithes and offerings is so important. Beloved, let's not short circuit our relationship with Hashem by refusing to trust him and honor him with our tithes and offerings. It's important. Let's be obedient. We'll be blessed for it.